0: And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Presented by the Choctaw Casino and Resort in Durant. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew. Carrie,
1: Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, it doesn't get much bigger than this. It is OU Texas week, and uh, we are here with you, Josh and Eddie Radosovich. Uh, we are down Bob Presbillo today, who has left to uh, go be with his family. His grandfather passed away. Uh, so, thoughts certainly with uh, the Presbillo clan today. And uh, he will be back. Uh, he's, uh, he's manning up, man. He's flying back in Friday to Dallas to cover the game. So, uh, best of luck to uh, uh, Bob and his family as they. Uh, uh, grieve the loss of uh, you know their grandfather and uh, want to wish them well. So anyway, OU Texas coming up this week and guys, a uh, uh, huge weekend. It's always it feels like it's about Friday because about Monday and Tuesday there's so much stuff going on and uh, you have you know fi- friends and family that you're trying to negotiate this week because it's it's it is unlike any other. Even if you're in the media, uh, you still kind of have those ties. I don't know about you guys, but Eddie, I know your parents are going down, and you have a lot of friends down there. But it's like you're having to talk to so many more people during the week to kind of figure out where you're going to be, what you're going to do, how we're going to meet up, and because uh, everybody kind of wants to, and you kind of want to have a little bit of a social
2: life down there. But it's just a, it's a cool week, it's an interesting week, but it's busy. Yeah, it is, and I, you know, I, I think that it's one of those things that. That's why I like it being at 11 because it makes everything a little bit easier, especially on Saturday as far as getting out and being able to possibly do something after yeah. the game. Uh, you know, Friday, uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm probably going to go have some beers Friday afternoon. I'm not going to a high school game down there. Sorry, folks. <laughs> uh, probably be at Ice house if anybody needs me on Friday.
1: Hanging with the buds? Yeah. Drop off a couple bags, you know. See what's up. I don't know what that means. I, that's probably a good thing. Anyway, Josh McQuestion joins us. He's already had child emergency today. He had to run uh, as uh, the podcast might be getting out a little bit later in the evening than normal because uh, not not to blame anybody, not blame anybody. By the way, Josh, I want to. This is what I meant to do when we first started the podcast, Eddie. It's my fault completely. I didn't find uh, a, a a state for us to drive to last night so you could watch your Cubs uh, advance to the I don't uh, think NLCS.
2: Well, it would have been the NLDS. NLDS. I don't think that it would have mattered because it's like I told you guys before we started recording this. Uh, I'm at peace with where they were at. They just weren't good enough. They weren't a very good baseball team at the end of the season, and that's what happens to not very good baseball teams. They get beat. I don't like John Lester in one nothing games either. I mean he he did everything he could. Yeah. He literally did everything he could.
1: Thirteen innings, but I'm still taking the I'm taking the loss. They scored two runs in their final 22 innings. Some entitled recruit to go chase around the country 10 hours away.
2: Well, I mean, they did it to themselves. When you uh, have a six-game lead with, like, three weeks left in the season or two weeks left in the season, you can't win the division. You probably deserve to. Tell those damn
1: ex-royals chasing them down. Anyway, I'm glad glad you're here. I'm glad you're not – completely angry and ready to ruin the podcast. I'll save
2: the suicide attempt for Sunday when he gets beaten in Texas.
0: (laughs) I think, say, Eddie, you seem really calm. Is there one guy that you truly were just saying awful, terrible things that his family would, you know, would cringe about?
2: No, not really. I mean, it just... It is what it is. They just weren't a very good baseball team, and I was kind of prepared for this over the last two and a half weeks. I mean... I don't know. I don't okay. know what else to say. Okay, Milwaukee okay. just better,
1: and we can move past it and talk about OU Texas, Fact. which is uh, true. I don't know about you guys. I've been kind of watching a lot of the 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 past games have been shown on Fox Sports Southwest this week. It's amazing. It, it nothing will make you feel older than watching that 2001 game when you realize that football and football uniforms and football equipment. <laughs> Looked completely different. Not
2: only is it seventeen years ago, but one of the touch one of the two touchdowns OU scores in that game was by a linebacker. Yeah, and I mean, the, the shoulder even, pads even were the game so that we big. were watching right before we started here, Kerry. I mean, it was the two thousand seven game. It was, I mean, it just everything was so much slower back then, and the game just like it. it, it it's not even a comparable. They did, they did hit harder,
1: but yeah, I mean. It, it, Everything was not as spread out. Everything was not. There were no like jets. Did you guys read that Ringer article about Lincoln Riley and and uh, um, Doug Peterson and the guys that are kind of changing the game in the NFL? It's a really good article. You should check it out. Uh, but it talks about Baker Mayfield and why he became, you know, why his value as a a number one pick became what it did. It's basically going on and on talking about. How NFL coaches were stuck in the past and stuck in this rut uh, of doing the same thing over and over and over because it's what they knew and they they pretty much had a an iron you know grasp on the game uh, and and were able to keep it that way. But now all these other coaches like Doug Peterson and uh, Andy Reid and all these guys and Chip Kelly coming in the league started embracing all these spread concepts and started going to colleges and. Uh, colleges, you know, even going to high schools and and how, like, Huddle and YouTube and all this stuff has allowed people to look at all these different plays and formations and adopt them and uh, break them down and make them their own, that it has basically allowed the game to evolve at a pace that they've never seen before. It's really interesting. But it just goes to show, like, like you said, Eddie, it was a different game... In two thousand one, even in two thousand seven, it was a different game than it is
2: now. You probably make the argument that it was a different game in two thousand ten. I mean, I think it really the changes really been made we in the last five six years. Oh nine is when
1: Sam Bradford went down and OU went to strictly shotgun five wide because Landry, that's what Landry Jones could do. Yeah. And OU was, and then they you know they in two thousand eight they embraced the no huddle, which that was the first big evolution i think more so than the zone read stuff and now it's just with lincoln riley and everything that he's doing it's just a totally different game drastically and their uh, shoulder pads are smaller
0: yeah the two things that stick out to me when i watch games like that carrie are a did our television quality really used to be that shitty <laughs> like i'm like god it's so grainy and awful i can't hardly i can hardly watch it it just looks so antiquated it's like when I was a kid and I'd see reruns of you know black and white, you're know, like, why would you ever have watched this? Um, and, and then the second part is, I, you know, and you guys were just kind of hitting on it. Spread when people hear spread, they still think Mike Leach. And don't get me wrong, Mike Leach obviously still does it really successfully, but it's evolved so far beyond what people what the initial definition of spread was. That They're almost like two different things, even though they get balled into the same kind of idea.
1: The window dressing is a lot more now, with the Mm -hmm. jet sweeps and the misdirection and the run game and all that. By the way, I never realized, why were the uniforms so shiny back in the early 2000s? They were so shiny. It was weird.
2: I didn't notice that.
1: They're, like,
0: glittery. Well, the flat white is all the rage now, I guess, so...
2: So Yeah, even if you wear white when you're the way team. I didn't understand that Texas thing. Well, here's the thing.
1: like Coming up on this game, OU Texas, I don't think this offense has ever been less traditional since Bob Stoops was in town because you look at this Oklahoma offense, they're putting up great numbers, but they've never had a running game without running backs like this before. In a very, I don't think ever. I mean, can you ever think of a time? This has to be, I didn't look it up, but this has to be the least production out of the running back position that OU has ever brought into this game since 1999. Maybe ever.
0: And it's amazing when you think about that, Kerry, because that was the one thing coming into the year you knew you could count on was Rodney Anderson is as good as any back in the country. OU is going to be fine at running back. And they've just shifted their focus and haven't really missed a beat for it.
2: And you know what the crazy part about all of this is, is the fact that is averaging more yards per carry this year than they were at this time last year. Were they? Are they? Because Kyler Murray. Sure. But at the same time, I mean, you had a 99-yard touchdown last year that Probably helps the average out even more. Like I just, I, I, don't think that OU's in this running back quandary that most people out there think that they are in. Well, I'm most people.
0: Oh, the I lines have been, been drawn. Well,
1: I think, here, and this is my whole thing for this game. I mean, because Texas is a team that is able to to basically play man up and not commit. They never have to commit too many people to the run game. When they're playing Oklahoma, and this year, you look at the way Oklahoma's built on offense. Why would you commit extra people to the run game?
2: Well, you're gonna you're asking to get beat by Kyler Murray with his arm, right? If you if you do,
0: or his legs. As say, I say, I I think I think Kyler Murray is the answer to that question, Kerry. You've got if you're not going to commit that many, that's fine. If you're going to drop, especially in man, when you're turned and focused on the receiver's hip you're going to leave a lot of green space for Kyler Murray to run to.
1: I mean, Trey Sermon has 301 total yards coming in this game. The next running back is Kennedy Brooks. And he has 12 attempts. 12 attempts!
2: Hey, that's why he's averaging 13.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, Trey Sermon's averaging 5.3 of rush. That's, That's fine. That's what you want. But, I mean, it's just bizarre. I mean... Rodney Anderson is still their fourth leading rusher.
2: He played one game or two games. Two games, yeah. It it is weird. I mean, I I do think that, you know, things are going to get ironed out. Uh, Bob wrote the article today talking about Kenny Kennedy Brooks returning home. He's I think he's either going to have a big day on Saturday or it's just going to be, you know, he'll have four or five carries and it won't be anything any anything big, <laughs>
1: which I could totally see.
2: Yeah, I I could too. It's going to be interesting to see how they uh, try to attack everything. You know, just as far as OU has been the off offensively, they're putting up big numbers, but it's just been weird how it's all come together. I think just in that, you know, you have the the big play threat still. I mean, what was it? CeeDee Lamb scores on like an 80 yarder last week. Marquise Brown scores on a big play. It just seems like they I don't know. it, And maybe it has a little bit to do with the running game, but It doesn't seem like if they need to grind one out. I I guess what I'm saying is I don't know if they can grind one out. I mean, they've got, you know, it's still
1: fairly balanced. They've got 167 pass attempts. Or no, I'm sorry, 125 pass attempts on the season and 169 running attempts. So they run the ball more than they pass it. But also, you know, 46 of that is from Kyler Murray.
0: And you also have to consider And he's
1: still your leading rusher at three hundred and thirty one.
0: Three of the five games, they've been up huge in the second half and were running the ball just to run clock when they could. So I mean, there's been a there's been a
1: huge discrepancy in in number of plays in the last two games. Yeah. Yeah. It's been almost two to one. I think it's probably averaged out two to one, isn't it? It was like one oh one to fifty four and then eighty seven to forty.
0: Yeah, it would almost have to. Um Guys, you're there. This is the, you know, anytime Lincoln talks about, you know, especially last year before Rodney really got going, you guys would ask him about, you know, what is it that makes you think, okay, we're this is the running back we're going to go with, you know, they went with Trey Sermon at Ohio State, you know, whatever the case may be. Just he, he clearly went for a while there, just game by game. Well, remember
1: this time last year, Abdul Adams had just gotten hurt against Iowa State, they'd lost, and they were going into Texas with a big question mark over their heads at running back. Did Sermon start? Yes. Against Texas, I believe that's correct.
0: Is that right? Hang, hang on, I've actually got the, the game pulled up. I can. By the way, I'll let
1: myself. you pull that up. I'll play something here from Trey okay. Sherman that uh, we talked about yesterday uh, in terms of the running back position. The carries, you know, are, are down, but we we also see there's a lot of success in the passing game. Is that is that just something that you kind of live with right now, knowing that teams are kind of trying to take away the run?
3: Um. Yeah. I mean, it's. Uh... I mean, not really too much uh, we can do besides to just uh, pound the ball whenever we get a chance. But, I mean, uh, it seems like teams are uh, playing us to stop the run. So, I mean, we just uh, keep going, keep working hard. Um, all of us in the backfield. every time we get a chance, we just uh, make the most of it. I mean, you, you had the big play in the past game, but is it will it
1: make everybody kind of feel better if you do kind of get some bigger runs in the, in the run game? I know mm-hmm. Kyler's kind of been leading you in rushing at times, but to see Kennedy do what he's doing, does that, mm-hmm.
4: is it? Would it be good for the group?
3: Uh, yeah, it would definitely be good for the group. Uh, and um, just really playing off the O-line, just uh, making big runs. Um, I feel like that's that's what Oklahoma's known for. I mean, I feel like we're, we're RBU for a reason, and uh, that's why. So, I mean, I know uh, down the road that it'll definitely come. And, and, you know, maybe I'm just being a carnival
1: barker here, but I, I just, watching this game over the years, we all know that Texas, they play good defense. They have a good defense. I don't think anybody questions that their defense is good. I just I worry from Oklahoma's perspective, and look at Lincoln Riley's first year. He lost this game uh, because they blitzed a lot. They didn't establish a running game. They couldn't establish a running game. Uh, the passing game just wasn't there because they were able to drop a lot of people. I, I don't know. I mean, to me, the, the warning signs are there that a similar you know, type of game offensively could happen. And we haven't even talked about the fact that Lincoln's,
2: I don't know if he's alive right now. He's alive. He he was at the ROTC ball run this morning. Okay. Unless that was a uh actor, which we could probably get into. There might be some of that.
0: I mean, I, what are the conspiracy theories like? This feels really weird to me.
2: It's contracted HIV.
1: Okay, see that's <laughs> wow. I mentioned the C word this morning and I felt bad about
2: that. Uh Cancer? Yeah.
1: No, none oh, of that is happening. It,
2: cancer kind of. He's just
1: got a virus. He's just got a virus. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, maybe he's got bronchitis. Maybe. It, I mean, obviously, it's more than just a cold for him to miss his press conference and his coach's show. One of
2: my favorite posts on the board this week has been uh, somebody that posted, you could tell on Sunday night on the coach's show he was coming down with something. That it was coming. That it was coming.
1: He did do the Big 12 so teleconference Monday morning. Teleconference. So, which was a now in infamous teleconference. I loved it. It's funny. I by the way some people are uh, in the media are upset now. The okay, so here's what happened. Well, pranksters and we'll get back to that, but a prankster called three different guys called and uh, asked stupid questions to my gun. They weren't stupid, they were brilliant. Uh, and It turns out that the Big 12 released a statement this morning to the media uh, about the media call-in number, like everyone expecting, hey, I need the new number because I know you guys are going to change it. Well, they found out that it was actually people in the media that were doing the prank calls, and I think there was an Iowa uh, columnist for the Des Moines Register that was pretty triggered about it.
2: Yeah, Randy Peterson. This is the guy's name.
1: I, Eddie and I had shared a hive brain on this. Like we were both like, "Dude, be like Al Qaeda and just
2: claim your your." You gotta, kill. Yeah, you got to claim it. I don't know why somebody wouldn't claim it. It it's was weird not to claim it. It was really funny. That that shit's hilarious.
1: Well, that's the that kind that of stuff that, that's good to me. That's good for the Big Twelve. It's just like I always said. This there should be more chicanery at Big Twelve Media Days.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Randy Peterson, though, kind of strikes me as the type of guy that doesn't know where the home row is on his keyboard.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, have you looked at his Twitter today?
1: Who, Randy Peterson?
0: Yes. He's one of the ones that tweeted out about the 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 statement. Right. And he says, using fake names and affiliations, talk about the de- definition of either being chicken to ask a question or insecurity. Oh, well.
1: It's just funny. Why can't it just be funny?
0: And then he says, yeah, Oklahoma state media with no guts. And he goes, I know the Oklahoma state media. I'll bet you as much diet Coke as you can drink, that it wasn't anyone in the Oklahoma media market. I don't know what that is. So Randy Peterson is bringing the thunder from Iowa.
1: Those godless heathens down in Dallas probably did it.
2: I just feel like he was kind of offended by it when in reality, I thought it was hilarious. You know
1: what? The big 12 teleconference, they should get rid of it because it's worthless. Because people sit around and don't do their homework and ask stupid questions all the time, it's worthless.
2: Yeah, I. There has, were weeks, has anybody ever gotten information out of the teleconference? No, there's
1: never been. Oh, you won't believe what came out of the Big Twelve Conference teleconference today. It's groundbreaking. Like that never happens.
2: It's because the media is too worried about being friends with the coaches. <laughs>
1: No, I'm just saying it's a bunch of it's a bunch of people that get on that call week in and week out that have ch- checked in a long time ago. I bet
2: the people that actually use the teleconference out. for something that they they need or still participate in it. I bet they're I bet 85% of those people don't know the home row on their keyboard.
1: Do you want to explain that?
2: It means they're old as fuck. <laughs>
1: The uh, they, they are building old people apartments
2: uh, Downtown in Oklahoma City, Eddie I saw that, that's on the other side of town though It's on the west side, I'm on the east side
1: So you're saying They won't be able to ride the scooters Over to you
2: oh, And if they want to, they can come over But we can get a little Civil War Going down there
1: I would, yeah, I would say the average age of the people who get on the teleconference is I'll just push, probably I'll just push
2: them in the canal. They it has already claimed one death this week, <laughs>
1: two, didn't it? Oh, did it kill both of them? Well, I don't know if it killed both. They both went to the hospital. Did one of them die? I think so. Wow! Somebody died in the canal,
2: electrocuted. Them.
1: They they tried to grab onto a light oh. pole to
2: pull themselves off, and then the light pole broke. Which
0: oh man, I mean, there's a and reason then they
2: exposed wire. There's a reason why they tell you not to take electronics in the bathtub. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying oh, to make my. light of it, but. It just, that's insane. It's an insane story.
0: That's, I thought like somebody drowned. And I was like, how the hell do you drown in the canal? Yeah, you can okay.
1: stand up in it. Or you can stand yeah. on all the bicycles that are down there.
0: Yeah, it's like that scene from uh, Robin Hood, Men and Tights. Little John can't stand up in the little river.
1: Yeah. That's a horrible reference, by the way.
0: That's a great reference, I'll have you know. <laughs> Carrie Elwes <laughs> killing it as Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. Is Elwes? Is it Elwes? All right, oh, you all you Oklahoma people. He's the he's the asshole meteorologist and twister. I know you've seen it. Don't pretend you haven't. He's also the
1: bad guy in Days of Thunder.
0: Oh yeah, but he's Russ.
1: Wesley in uh, Princess Bride.
0: Yes, he is. You're right. Ru- what was it? Russ Wheeler? Russ Wheeler. Russ Wheeler. Wheeler yeah. Yep. Okay, well, we got it out there.
1: So anyway, but he died in that tornado. He did. He did. He picked his truck up or his minivan up and
2: killed him.
0: But, hey Eddie, I'm not one of those people. That just because he dies in a movie, he suddenly becomes a good guy. He was still an asshole. Oh yeah, no, no die. doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wonder about who he
2: history. is. I wonder who he would most be relatable to in real life. Carrie Elway's, Mike Morgan, David Payne. Oh, uh, I see, which is David Payne. You think so? Yeah, he has blocked Emily Sutton. So I, I David Payne's the kind of guy.
1: Yeah, that would that would ignore Gary England's advice and drive right into a tornado.
2: Probably true, that's probably because he wasn't paying attention. He was just Gary screaming, Englund always throw shade at him on the Twitter. Yeah, I don't think Gary England likes him at all. I bet it's because he's a tanning guy, a tanning bed guy. <laughs> uh, he
1: probably has a, a selection of banana hammocks.
3: Oh, no,
1: probably. Well,
0: I'll never get that out of my head. It's great. Um,
1: so anyway, we were talking about the running back position. If we get back on tangent, since I'm the only one that can can remember where we started when we went off on a tangent uh but josh you were looking up some stats
0: yeah 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 well the, the thing I, I wanted to ask you all before i before i kind of get into this we are talking I about, about rodney trey anderson, anderson not being the start yeah trey sermon did start running back last year just to tell you how much things have changed in that game unless ou's uh i, I guess unless their official starting lineup is incorrect Ben Powers was starting at right guard, and Cody Ford was starting at left guard, hmm. which obviously has changed substantially. Uh, also, okay, I'll give you the— Mark Andrews is listed as a starting wide receiver in this group. Can you name the other two? One of them's a gimme. The other one, I'd be interested
1: to see Jeff if Jeff Badette because he had the big touchdown to start the
0: game. He's not one of the listed starters. Really? Yep. You're really close, though, if that gives you any hint.
1: Well, it wasn't Marquise Brown. He wasn't starting nope. that game.
0: Mm-mm. Mm-mm.
1: It had to be CeeDee Lamb had to be one. Yeah,
0: he's one of them.
1: And A.D. Miller?
0: Jeff Mead. Oh, God. <laughs> if that doesn't tell you how quickly things can change. Jeff Marquise <laughs> Brown could not start in that game last year, and Jeff Meade did.
2: I think all three of us have done more than Jeffrey Mead has done for the OU football program.
0: <laughs> He's one of those kids where I get so caught because I like I love him as a person. Like Jeff Mead's a great kid.
2: You don't oh, have to qualify. Josh, you don't have to qualify it. Who, I mean, was, he, he who was, was a was, shitty football player. Who is the he was, bigger disappointment, was. Jeff
1: Mead or Adrian Tennell?
0: Tennell. Tennell for sure. Meade was more of my, like... I think this guy can be good. Like, I bought in when not everybody else did. To everybody thought that dude was going to be an NFL guy. Like, he was, yeah. I want to say, like a top 50 guy in the country. He was a big dude.
1: Uh, he was one of those guys I went and saw before OU Texas on a Friday night. Yeah,
0: that's right. I remember and that. And I was that's just right.
1: enamored with the kid. I mean, he, he led Irving back, an Irving team that all their coach wanted to do was run the ball until they got 14 points behind with like two minutes left. And then they just started throwing jump balls to him, and he almost led him back to a victory. And I was just like, this kid's going to be awesome. And he didn't do jack shit.
0: Wow. So in that game, OU Texas last year, Sermon had 20 carries for 96 yards. Pretty solid. Rodney Anderson had 10 carries for 48 yards. Baker Mayfield was your third leading rusher with seven for 27.
1: Okay, so say that again on the rushing.
0: So you had Trey Sermon with 20 for 96, Rodney Anderson had 10 for 53, uh, excuse me, for 48 uh, with a score, and Baker Mayfield was your third leading rusher with 7 for 27 yards.
2: Yeah, and you know, I want to say at least 20 of those came on one drive, because didn't Anderson score? He scored on like a 15-yard run.
0: Yeah, he had uh, the longs. Baker had a 16-yard run. Anderson had a 21-yard run, which is almost half of his total. Yeah, and Sermon had a 20-yard run for his 96.
2: It, it's you know, I g- going back and watching some of that game from last year, I kind of had forgotten that OU jumps out to a 20 nothing lead, and then all of a sudden it's 2010 at halftime.
0: I had really forgotten that somebody mentioned. I think I think Garen might have mentioned in the press conference, like that. that's right, they did jump out to that huge lead. I totally had forgotten.
1: Uh, okay, by the way, we want to get back to that, but uh, we have to mention uh, this podcast, uh, The Unofficial 40, uh, our presenting sponsor, Choctaw Casinos and Resorts uh, in Durant. If you guys are listening to this and you're like, hey, you know, we don't really have plans for OU Texas. We, we want to kind of figure out what to do. Uh, it would not be a bad idea for you to call uh, Choctaw Resorts at 888-652-4628. That's 888 888-652- 652 4628. Book yourself some rooms there uh, for f- for uh, Friday night. You can get up early and go down to the game. You can come back on Saturday night or just go down to the game, come back on Saturday night, uh, head over to Durant. They've got great restaurants, the 1832 Steakhouse. Uh, they've they've got uh, Gillies, a great uh, bar. They've got a great sports bar in the district uh, called Tailgaters. Uh, the district has a movie theater, bowling alley, uh, sports bar, and it is a fantastic facility. Great gaming. They've got uh, uh, dice. they got craps, roulette. Uh, great poker rooms. It's just a, an unbelievable uh, place to go and spend a weekend. And uh, A lot of great uh, upcoming concerts uh, as well, but the, the Choctaw Grand Theater great place to, to, to see game. they got Rodney Carrington coming out uh, in October uh, 19th. Uh, also Allison Chains is going to be there October 21st, so a lot of great uh, events and concerts come up. Dirk's Bentley going to be there December 1st. Uh, so check them out. Choctawcasinos.com. Uh, book a stay. Uh, you will not regret it. It's Everybody talks about the big place that's there on I-35 that we see every time we go down. I'm telling you, I've been out there to to Choctaw, Durant. Uh, it's every bit the marvel that you'll find anywhere else in the state for a casino. Just a great place and uh, a great sponsor of the podcast. So uh, check them out. Choctawcasinos.com. All right. So coming up. OU's defense, uh, I want to get into that a little bit. You've got a, a Texas team that has kind of your worst nightmare in that they've got two 6'5 receivers. Uh you got Parnell Motley, you got Trey Norwood, you got Trey Brown. We talked to Trey Brown yesterday.
2: It won't be a problem if Trey Brown
1: plays. You're saying that it will not be a problem if he plays. Right. Who who does Trey Brown replace? I don't give a f-. He has to be on the field. But who does he replace? Does he replace Norwood or Motley? That's a question. Gun to to my head. I mean, you're just going to ruin the podcast if you're going to say I don't give a bleep about everything.
2: Well, I'm not doing that. I mean, come on.
1: I'm just saying, I'm forcing you to answer.
2: I would go Norwood. I'd go Motley. Oh, God. No, wrong answer. I'm sorry. I did. They never throw to Norwood's side.
1: And OU is very lucky.
2: Well, I mean, I would think if he's as bad okay. as as if he was as bad as you think he is, you would think that they pick on him and not porn out yeah, Motley. You would think. I don't want to see Norwood
1: going up against six five receivers, though.
0: I say say my bigger problem is not that Norwood's not good in coverage. I think he's fine in that regard. But if you go to him and if you can find an opening to get him one on one, he can't tackle anybody. I mean, I you mean, say anybody. that,
1: Eddie. I got into this fight with people on the board. Trey Norwood gave up two receptions to Hakeem Butler in the first quarter of that game and he missed the tackle on both both of them. Like
2: you I know I know that Parnell Motley had a bad those. game cuz they were those. short routes. I'd rather I I'd, I'd give up the short routes than uh give up the 60-yard touchdown. Well they didn't, throw the, the quarters, they didn't throw the they didn't throw the route. short route to to
1: they kept going deep every time they went to Parnell Motley. But he couldn't even defend the short route. I'm just saying,
2: I'm just saying if he's as bad as people is think he is. the least
1: physical out of all three of those guys. And I'm not saying that Parnell Motley's physical. He's clearly not. Right. But he can fight and go up in a one on one situation and hold his own a little bit. He proved that as many times as he didn't prove it against Hakeem Butler.
2: I don't know. I just, if he was as bad as everybody says he is, I don't understand why teams don't pick on him like they pick on Parnell Motley. Because they're stupid. Because not every offensive
1: coordinator is a genius. I just think that they're headed for trouble with Trey Norwood in this matchup. If they start Trey Norwood and Trey Brown, I think it could be trouble. It could be trouble with Parnell Motley, too. I'm not dismissing that.
0: Trey Brown had twice as many pass breakups against Baylor as Trey Norwood has all season. Yeah,
2: that's insane.
1: But again, he's not a pass breakup guy. He's a a stopgap guy. He is... He is there to stick on a receiver and try to get him to not catch the ball. But once he catches it, like, he's kind of screwed.
0: If I'm Baylor last week, I am literally running bubble screens to Jalen Hurd over Trey Norwood yeah. all day, every day. And just make Trey Norwood try to make that play. Because, guys, Trey Brown's not dragging down Jalen Hurd by himself, much no. less Trey Norwood. He'd no. have been roadkill.
1: It's um I don't know. I it's the thing is, I feel like I can see it. But everybody else likes to throw out there, even Eddie. Well, why don't they throw at him if he's so bad?
0: I I think that, it's gonna I, go I, bad. I truly
2: don't understand that. I think it's gonna go bad
1: once they figure this out.
0: Well, think about Jordan Thomas, Eddie. Everybody stayed away from him for a while. Yeah. And then they started going at him, and all of a sudden, oh, he's not nearly as good as we all thought he was. And I'm not throwing that at OU fans. That's on me, too. I thought Jordan Thomas was a good player. Yeah, we all were there. Yep, and clearly we were wrong. So...
1: I mean, really, Zach Sanchez and Aaron Colvin are the only two corners that you can think of in recent memory that you could trust.
0: Yeah, I mean, who would be the one before that? Like Reggie Smith? I mean, does it go that far back? I
1: don't. Know, we, you know, we were watching that that 2007 game, Josh. The uh, I don't know if you've seen that one replayed recently, the OU Texas game. mm Uh But that was the game where JerMichael Finley had a huge game over the middle against Ryan Reynolds, and Ryan Reynolds was dead to about 95 percent of OU fans after that game. Yeah. Never recovered. What? His his reputation never recovered from that game,
0: and OU won that game. Is it? No, which was it? oh, it was oh eight when he got hurt. Yeah, when Brandon, Brandon
2: Crow, Crow came and
0: in. Brandon Crow came in, and Brandon Crow, the poor kid from Comanche, just never <laughs> like, your that's fault. All OU your fault, not
2: your fault, Brandon Crow.
0: Yeah, that'd yeah, be he like got thrown into an unwinnable situation.
2: It'd Be like asking me to <laughs> <laughs> step on the OU basketball. Uh, team. Brandon
0: Crow is a little bit better than you.
2: No, I, I, yeah, obviously, but it just it, it was, it's an unfair situation. Yeah, it was an unfair situation. It was an unfair ask.
0: If Eddie was going to be like the number one receiver for the Intermural Champions, you're not going to win that way. Right. That's maybe the way to say that. Right. So, you know, Eddie's a good possession receiver, but not ready to be the number one guy. So,
1: do I not get some credit because I was the one that got into the fight with you guys about if there was anybody I was going to move to safety, it would be Trey Brown?
2: Well, he hasn't moved to safety.
1: But I'm just saying, to me, he is by far the most physical player in their in their secondary.
2: I think we were well, all yeah. saying that.
1: I were felt we? like I was getting maybe I'm thinking I'm confusing my radio pals. I I don't. Remember I mean, we've that all that been
2: pro Trey it Brown. Get him on the sense. field,
1: right? Yeah, but I was just saying when they were moving, you know, Jordan Parker, and they were moving Justin Broyles. I was just like, why don't they move Trey Brown? If you feel like you had your corners, you got, and that was when they had Buki, and we didn't really know about the, you know, him being set in stone, being the nickel.
0: R- Regardless of if you think Brown is supposed to start this week, and we all, I know we all do. What Someone would you be say fired the if it he... actually happens is ten percent?
1: I would hope it's more than that.
0: Really? I-, I mean, I look. Every
1: there was this argument on the board. About uh, whose job is it? It's it's not Mike's job. It, it's yeah. still up to Carrie Cooks. We've talked about this on the podcast before. And I know there's, I don't want to like get in fights with people who are bored insiders because someone said, oh, it's Mike's this year. No, it hasn't changed. Like the reason Mike was so sheepish about talking about that yesterday, because it's not necessarily his call. Now he has input, but he was asked, is Trey Brown going to play more? And all he said was, Trey Brown is playing,
2: and he'll continue to play. He's he's we, he's one of the three corners that we play. This is kind of going back to the post game pod, Josh, but I, I just don't understand how we can sit there, watch what Trey Brown did against Baylor, and then you don't put him back out on the field for more snaps. I mean, the defense is so much better with him on the field. It's not even funny. Oh.
0: Just look at it. When is the one point in that Baylor game where you thought, okay, this looks like the old Oklahoma defense? Early second half. Who was not on the field? Trey Brown. Like I am not saying he's saving the defense. I don't want to make it like that. But there's no question there is a discernible difference in that secondary when he's out there and when he's not.
2: You don't have to be a uh, You don't have to be a football it savant is, to, to know, understand that. Sorry,
0: that
2: was my
1: fault.
0: And carry's going with new ways of cutting us off, people. He just he just started audio. playing
1: audio. <laughs> I'm having a button problem. Sorry. To so go ahead, I'm sorry.
0: No, no. Like I said, I just I don't I don't know how you can look at. It. Now I will say, when I started kind of getting into that stat thing yesterday, and I put some of it up on Twitter, where you know I was like, okay, who is the last guy to have four pass breakups? And I go through this season. No, of course there's none. Seventeen, none. Fine one in 16, Jordan Thomas against friggin' Texas. And you're like, well, okay, maybe that doesn't mean exactly what I think it means. But there's just, like, any way that Trey Brown could make a play in that game, he made a play. I mean, like I talked about it in the post game, went against a big receiver, made a nice play. Went against a small speed receiver, was fine, he was in good position. Like, all these things, even you go back to the big play against UCLA, that was great coverage. The guy just made a hell of a throw. Like, the, you know, sometimes you get beat, and that's okay. But, you know, it's just, he's the only guy that when you say the ball's up in the air, if you're an OU fan, you've got to be thinking, I hope he's thrown to somebody Trey Brown's on. Because there's nobody else you feel confident about. There's no way.
1: And he also competes when the ball is in the air, which and, is the yes. most, which Even, is what the biggest problem we all had with Jordan Thomas was, it didn't feel like he was always competing. To be, like, you watch the NFL, if you watch the NFL on Sundays, those defensive backs never give up on trying to get the ball out. Once it, even if they catch it, they're still grabbing at it and, and busting their asses trying to to compete on that play, and I don't think you can always say that about OU's DBs
0: the last few years. I agree, because there was one in the Baylor game where the guy, if I remember right, he, I think it was Baylor, he had a catch, and Brown just clubs down on his arm, yeah. and the guy loses the ball. You never see that with Motley or Norwood. Maybe Motley a little bit, but not Norwood. And I, I think that's something to be said, kind of like Eddie was saying earlier, with all the shorter routes, Like he's not really in position to do that. It's a quick slant or whatever. So I mean, it's not really that feasible. But but regardless, I agree with you completely. Like That's something where I feel like when a receiver has the ball for OU guys, they just kind of go for the tackle. Instead of like that ball still in transition, they're still getting that in their hands, I want to swat at it.
1: Yeah, it's not the mentality of that ball is mine. It's yep. it's that ball uh, is, is up in the air. Is he going to catch
2: it or not? Yep. Yeah, and there's even even the plays that, that Brown. I can't remember. It was in the second quarter, I think. And even the play that he gives up a reception, he's at least fighting his ass off to get try and try and break it up. Yeah, I just I don't know, but it. There are some interesting numbers out on this OU defense, Josh. I know that you got into it this morning on Twitter. Uh, maybe not as bad as people think it is?
0: You know, How dare one you. of the guys I, I really follow is a guy named Adam McClintock. He's a, at CFB underscore professor. I want to give him a little credit for his work. Um, he tweeted out something this morning where he would, know, and I'll read it for people that haven't seen it, if I can track it down here real quick. Um, Basically saying the idea that Oklahoma is just terrible defensively is a little skewed because people are still trying to look at it from the numbers of total defense, just yards. Period. Well, if you look at it that way, Oklahoma had a great game against Army. It was a great game. They only gave up 379 yards. That's going to be you do that week in and week out. You're going to you know be at the top 20 in national in total defense every year like that. It's not the most reasonable way to look at it with the way offenses attack and the number of plays that are run and the speed with which everybody plays. So it skews things. And his quote was Sooners defensive coordinator, Mike Stoops is on track through five weeks to have his best DC performance since returning to Norman. His per play efficiency is up 36% from last year. He said also consider his defenses are facing 81 plays per game this year. His average is 71 plays per game defended. So, there's a t- he's playing against ten more plays per game. Well, let's say say those are three yard gains, which would get you off the field in a three down situation. That's still thirty yards. That's gonna make a difference in the way it looks in total defense. And I, I, I and I kind of went back and looked at the yards per play. Oklahoma's 40th in the country right now in yards per play, which at five flat per game or per play, which is up from five point eight in 2017 and five point nine in 2016. It, it's 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 kind of why I think in the pod we've gone so back and forth because, yeah, there's these numbers over here that are telling me this isn't good, this is a problem, and then you look on the other hand and you're like I, there's some like, there's no question to me the run defense is much better. The front seven is better. I don't know if that translates to a good defense, but I actually see signs of life this year.
1: Right, and I think that's... Well, in the Baylor game, I mean, let's face it, we had a pod before that. We all said if if Baylor does this or that, uh, we will it was jump a big on game. board and it was a big uh, game. question whether Mike Stoop should be here anymore. It was 28-6 to with the final seconds running out when they kicked a the field goal. Uh, I don't think you could look at that first half and say the way they dialed up pressure, the way they defended. Uh, tackling still wasn't great, uh, but overall that Baylor team came in 28th in the country in offense and they had nine points at halftime. And you thought to yourself, this defense is playing really well right now. And it
2: it got skewed a little bit because they sucked when they came out of halftime for whatever reason. And don't forget, they gave up 153 yards in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And that, that screws everything up and pissed Mike off.
0: And you know, we're talking about playing probably, you know, watching the kid, probably the third best quarterback in the league.
1: Charlie Brewer's, Brewer's good. a good yeah.
0: player. Um, and I, and, guys, they, and they didn't give Kansas,
1: up any – I mean, like the year before, they gave up a 72 and a 73-yard touchdown to both Mims and, I think, Platt. Yep. There were none of those kind of plays against Baylor no, this year. And they had no. – I'd say they had a better quarterback than Zach Smith that they had last year.
0: Oh, for sure. And, you know, you, you look at it, you know, the um, – you, like you said, Karen. even if you want to include – or I mean, obviously you have to include the field goal there at the end. Nine points in Big 12 and a half? You cannot tell me there's an OU fan on the planet that would not take nine points, especially against Baylor that's got a quality offense, in a half. Like that, that's, that's the goal. So to come out and be like, well, we're mad, you know, I get it. The second half didn't go as cleanly, and there's some reasons for that. And a, a big portion of it, like we said, was Baylor was kind of doing things against Oklahoma's second team and kept running plays when most people would have just got off the field.
1: Uh, by the way, big game this weekend. I know a you lot know of why they people. Did that, don't you? Go ahead. I just want to honor God. It's Baylor. Um, NCAA is getting ready to hammer him. I don't know why. Um, They're
2: anyway. playing for Jesus. Is that a? Uh, and by the way, nice segue, Josh. Happy <laughs> birthday, BFJ, Trevor Knight. It's his birthday today. Special shout out.
0: Also, coincidentally, Connor Knight's birthday as well. So, happy birthday to him as well.
2: Ooh, people forget that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Poor Connor.
2: All right. We're done.
1: Go ahead. Can I read my sponsorship now?
0: Yes. Oh, shit.
1: (laughs) Uh, Everybody knows OU Texas coming up. Tickets uh, as hard to come by as ever because those burnt orange freaks think they really got a chance this year. Uh, I guess because they maybe all have concussions like their quarterback. And forgot that they lost to Maryland. Mm, CTE joke. I don't, that's kind of out of line. On this uh, podcast. Anyway, <laughs> tickets, very difficult. I just looked it up. You're looking at about $250. Well, here's what I want you to do I want you to go download the SeatGeek app. Uh, I'm going to give you $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase by entering the promo code SCOOP. Why do I want you to go to SeatGeek? Because. Uh, they've got hundreds of sites and varying levels uh, of, of reliability they are out there on the internet. Uh, it's hard for you to know who to trust. Uh, that's why SeatGeek is the way to go. Plus, they're a proud sponsor of the unofficial 40. I don't know, proud after this show. Uh, but they pull millions of tickets into one place. You can easily find the seats that you want for the price you're willing to pay. Don't go to Fair Park you know, with your hand out trying to find tickets. It's a terrible experience. You want to be able to have your tickets in hand so you can get in there and drink beer. It's an 11 o'clock game. Dude, go get your tickets right now at SeatGeek. Download the app. Get the $20 off with the promo code SCOOP. Be able to go to the game, get there, park. Go in, drink your beer, eat your Fletcher's Corn Dogs. uh, Enjoy yourself. You'll have to pay a little bit more unless you just want to wait. I don't know that you're going to get a $100 ticket to this game. I don't think it's possible. No matter how long you wait. It's probably um, the hottest
2: ticket OU Texas has had in a while I would think
1: I would say And because those Texas idiots Are making it more expensive uh, But I've got the app on my phone uh, it's, it's great for concerts too If you want to get your $20 off You want to go see Fleetwood Mac uh, Who's playing uh, this weekend At the uh, BOK Center Any of the great concerts That come to Oklahoma City uh, Tulsa You can do that too You get the app It'll check out your Spotify and your Facebook and figure out what artists you like and alert you when a concert that you're interested in is uh, coming or a sporting event that you're interested in. So, download the SeatGeek app. Enter the promo code, promo code SCOOP today. Get 20 bucks off uh, your first purchase uh, and 20 bucks off your OU Texas ticket. So, uh, whether or not you're going to leave the stadium happy, I'll say this. I've been surprised at some of the guys locally that feel like OU is going to win by two touchdowns Saturday. I just don't know that that's respecting the rivalry. Well, anytime that you, tell you can this. say OU is going to OU or Texas is going to win easily, it's never that easy.
2: The one thing that leads you to believe that is or I think that maybe leads some to believe that is just the fact that it it the trends in this game have pointed to when both teams are ranked, OU's won by eight points or more. Mm-hmm. When Texas isn't ranked and OU is, which they have been in the last couple of years, it's been under a, a touchdown game. Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, that's so just both one of the, being ranked. OU when both has both a are ranked, OU's won to win big, or Texas has won big, and then uh, the opposite has happened when one of them isn't ranked. It just it, it's weird that. You know, this one is the first one in a while, though that I think it's since 2012. Is that right? That both teams are ranked going into this one. I believe that's right. Yeah. So congratulations to I'm both programs. I'm going to pretend like that's right. Well, I know that's right. I was it was rhetorical. It was an eight-point spread this morning when I looked it up, and it opened at seven and a half. Yeah. So there's been some money, I guess, either side, but I, I don't are you know. Talk I'm, about the sharps now. No, I don't. I don't know enough about that, but I do know which side I'll be taking.
1: When did the sharps become like the buzzword around gambling?
2: It's only been the last few years, hasn't it? Yeah, probably. I think it's since like guys like Todd Furman and the and yeah, it, who's really really good. I'm not yeah. taking a shot at him, but it's just they like to use those buzzwords a lot. I feel like. Well, I think he lives in Vegas, so he's oh he's I mean he's I would say he, he I
1: think he ran the right now. Caesars I would say
2: Todd Furman is the board. foremost figure on sports gambling. Like I think he's extremely good. Yeah. At what he does. I think he and Dusty do a show together, a podcast. Oh, do they really? Yeah. Well, I know that he he's come on. He comes on uh, Dusty and Mark show. all yeah. the Yeah,
1: I know. Late night Lothario, Lothario Mark Rogers has known him for a
2: long time. He is really really good though. Like I and he is killing college football right now. Is he really? Yeah, absolutely. Doing a little bit better than Stu Finer.
1: <laughs> I I had to unfollow Stu on Instagram. He's just too much. It's just, just way too many Insta stories from
2: him. Like, he Insta stories more than Barstool does. Yeah, he's all over the uh, the game, and he's just yelling obscenities. And showing
1: you what he's eating. That guy has Weird to guy. eat at Smith and Walensky's more than anyone
2: else on the planet. Yeah, and, I mean, Smith and Walensky, that it's good? It's very average. Yeah, I was going to say. Is that like going to like the Texas Roadhouse of yes. steakhouses yes. in uh, New York? It's exactly what it is. It is the Logan's
1: Roadhouse of, <laughs> of nice of New York style yeah. steakhouses. It's funny. Instead of having peanuts on the floor, you just have whatever New York steakhouses have. It's pretty funny. It's 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 nothing to write home about. Uh, I I'm telling you, can go to Charleston's and get just as good a steak, if not better. Charleston's really good. Yeah, there. it's really good steak. Um, okay, so, OE Texas coming up? One of the things that we were surprised by in the postgame was the missed tackling stats were at 20. Uh, I did talk to Mike Stoops, and, and Eddie, I think that was one of the, the revelations that came out of talking to defense yesterday is that they talked a lot about how they've uh, ramped up uh, the intensity at practices and making tackless, tackling more of a focus. And guess what? I turned down my audio because it was just randomly playing. Here's Mike Stoops how do you feel about your tackling overall and and do you feel like you're making progress
0: well we've worked at uh you know it's been a big emphasis and you know we're gonna you know we're gonna have to be physical in our tackles and uh start wrapping people up I, i thought we had good position on the football uh a majority of those plays saturday and um you know gotta understand our leverage better and where our help is so all those things factor into it and then just being able to make the plays i think guys are you know, we're getting guys, more and more guys, to the you know where they need to be, and and that's a positive. That's where it starts, and now we just got to finish plays.
1: And Eddie was kind of interesting too, talking to Curtis Bolton because he was saying that they've kind of went through a lot of different drills on tackling to try and find things that make them better tacklers.
2: Yeah, and you know, it, it's even weirder just for the fact that you go into this week with, like. The One storyline with the defense is tackling better. The other one is how do you go through this week by preserving energy after playing 180 snaps the last two weeks? Mm-hmm. Isn't it, it? Don't they kind of like go against each other? Well, I think that's kind of why they played Caleb Kelly so much in the second
1: half. Just to give some rest. Curtis Bolton was banged up. I actually uh, talked to him about that. You come off that Army game, all those tackles. Just how physically draining was that? And, and how much did kind of the coaches have to work with you to, to you know, be able to rehabilitate your body? And, and how much did that help to have Caleb Kelly play most of that second half last week?
3: Um, it, it beat me up in that Army game. Um, you know, it was tough. They ran the ball down there 80 times, if not more. Uh, you know, with eight, nine lead blockers in, in, in the core. I um, mean, you know, them, them firing out the way they do, the way they block, the way they get after things, it, it was bound to to wear and tear on us. And um, yeah, I, I felt it last week, but, uh, you know, that's that's just the game of football. Um, you know, they did a our, – our, our coaching staff does a good job of uh, letting you recover at the same time, keeping you locked in so that you're ready for Saturday because, I mean, ideally a lot of injuries guys deal with you you would sit out if, if I was just a normal person with a desk job. But there's a lot of things that, that I have to play through, and there's some things – there's sometimes that, okay, I don't need to do this drill, but I for sure need to do this drill. And, um, you know, it's just being honest with yourself, just gauging whether um, you feel good enough to, to, to work, work uh, to push your body throughout the week, but at the same time trying to stay healthy enough so you can put it all on the line on Saturday.
2: I just like that he says damn near. He's always the best. Is there any way that, and I, I guess I'm just caught up in this, but what if they draw something up where they can get Caleb Kelly on the field more? I wonder the same thing. Like, and I'm not saying that this whole redshirt thing has been a charade by any means because I don't think that you, you would mess with the season like that. But I said last week, how I, can you I think not, it's a mistake to redshirt him. I, he's not redshirting. It's just not going to happen. He's already played three games, he has one more game to burn. It's just not going to happen. I think if he redshirted, like I said, and he, and he,
1: he'll be a starter next year. Even if he has a decent year, I think he declares for the, for the draft.
2: Probably. I, I, I just don't understand what would... The red shirt thing. I, I don't understand. If Devontae Lamkin can do it, Caleb Kelly can do it. Devontae Lamkin currently jobless. Uh, so is Jordan Phillips. Yeah, I saw that. That's insane. I guess he had a meltdown on the sidelines. Is that what uh, th- he was uh, Twitter defending himself yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah. Go look at his DL, Josh, do you think it's crazy that they figure out a way to get Caleb Kelly a little play out there? Because just with the way that he played with energy-wise, and I know it was quote-unquote scrub time but it was hard to not see the at least a little bit of passion that he had out there on saturday
0: oh eddie as we know i go back and listen to the pods and the post game is included in that i thought you're, you're about that caleb kelly playing like it was the damn super bowl was it's perfect it summed it up he was a guy that you could tell just wanted to be on the field i mean he's a guy that probably hasn't not played for whatever team he was on since he was a high school freshman. you know, And even then, he probably played for the freshman team. So whatever you want to say, he's used to not watching from the sidelines. And you could tell it showed. He got out there and he made some explosive plays and really just brought an energy that I think Oklahoma lacks at times. Now, I will say, I think Curtis Bolton kind of embodies the same thing. Curtis is just real frenetic and there's a lot of energy to what he does. But yeah, I I could see some ways that works, especially if what we read from some of the comments Tom Herman has made that make it sound like Texas is going to try to, you know, get physical with Oklahoma up front and try to use the receivers outside in kind of one-on-one situations, then Oklahoma's going to have to get physical up front. They're going to have to bring some bodies in, and he's as good a body as Oklahoma could hope to bring off the bench.
1: We've talked about a lot of people uh, so far today. Cornerbacks, Caleb Kelly. Um, running backs I think it's time that we, uh, we, we put a most important person tab on this thing
0: get to the fridge grab yourself a native amber an F5 IPA or any of the great Coop Ale Works beers because it's time to make a toast to this week's player to watch
1: it is time for the uh, Coop works uh, player to watch uh, for this week against the texas longhorns as all of us are getting our presidential alert
2: on our phones right now what does that even mean you didn't know that this was coming i mean i saw that and i kind of forgot about it but i don't understand what that actually means it's it's uh, his his line direct line to
1: everyone oh, like the actual president yeah so he can send us. Hopefully, we're not going to start getting his tweets on those. I hope so. Uh, anyway, uh, I feel kind of disrespectful. Eddie's dead soldiers from from Saturday night are sitting over there, right next to him, his two F five IPAs. Uh, but uh, yeah, it is October first. I don't know if you guys have been to liquor store yet, uh, or your local. Well, Josh, this is not for you. You you live in a state that is light years behind us in liquor laws. Uh, But now you can go uh, in a lot of people. I think Homeland, I noticed, uh, has uh, Coop Works stocked up. Uh, But more places than ever before you can go get your Coop Works. whether it's the uh, Horny Toad Blonde, which I'm a huge fan of, uh, the DNR, the uh, F5 IPA. uh, Coop works they're a nine-year-old craft brewery here in Oklahoma City. They got seven year-round beers and four seasonals, so uh, make sure you stop by and uh, stock up your tailgate. Uh, take some down to Texas with you, because we make really good beer here in Oklahoma City. And Coop Ale Works uh, leads the way, so get you some Coop. Head down to Dallas. Uh, don't party without it. Also, uh, snap yourself a, a, a photo with your Coop and send it to us at Sooner Scoop, and uh, we'll retweet it for you. So anyway, guys. Uh, I'm gonna go not with a player. I'm gonna go with a coach mm. in this game, and uh, here's me talking to him this week. This has been a, a, a series over the years uh, that was so much emotion involved that special teams can sometimes mm-hmm. really—I don't know—decide the game. But you'll see a lot of yeah. crazy stuff in special teams. Is that just a, a thing of uh, you know? Of generally, is that just kind of like emotions bring that out, or is that something the guys? sometimes just playing for in a game this
4: No, I mean, I think uh, as a coach, I know when you're playing, when there's two really good teams going at it, it's a thin line between winning and losing. And one or two plays on special teams, one play can, can change the entire dynamic of the game. So, one, I think it's... You're going to have a lot of close games. Very rarely is this game a blowout, and you're going to have a lot of close games. And because of that, there's a play in special teams somewhere that's going to figure in and be a difference, be the difference in the game. And then I think when you have two uh, really, really talented teams, I mean Texas has great players. We have great players. We use a lot of starters on special teams. They use a lot of starters on special teams. When you have that much uh, talent on the field. Um, you know, there's going to be big plays um, in the kicking game uh, one way or another typically. And, and uh, um, you know, I think you see that in, in any uh, high-level matchup for sure versus two teams that are very evenly matched and very talented. And
1: that was Shane Beamer,
4: uh, co-special
1: teams coordinator, along with Jay Bulware. And, guys, I mean, how many times can you think of, you know, uh, Jordan Shipley returning a kickoff? I mean, it just swayed this game uh, completely in one direction –
2: I want to say uh, Trey Brown had a nice return last year. Out to about midfield. Or is that completely inaccurate?
1: No, that that sounds familiar. Well, Alex Ross has, Alex had, a, Ross has had, had a big, a big return. return.
2: Uh, the 2008 game, Oh, you took, I think, jumped out to that lead. And was that Shipley that had the big yes. return? Yes. But,
1: I mean, excuse it, me. it, in this game, with the emotions as, as they are, with the crowd, you know, split, at, at the 50s. Block kick. I mean, special teams play as big a role in this game as any other game that they'll play all year. Absolutely. And Good. who knows if Shane Beamer saved up something or drawn something up or E.N.J. Bullware might have a fake here or there. I think... I mean, we haven't really seen anything since that FAU game. Maybe we see a little something-something. Any thoughts, Josh?
0: On that, no, you've kind of blindsided me with that. I, I wasn't ready for that, so I don't want to. I don't want to pre- pretend that I'm going to add some depth. I'm glad just to be that I could surprise self. you. What's that? I'm glad that
1: I could surprise you.
0: Yeah, that was not the audio. I was like, man, he went to the well twice. I was not going to be as impressed, but I like where you went with that. I just was not prepared to add to it. So, it,
1: well, I mean that—that's mine. I mean, I just wanted to throw that out there. I, I, it is it, something that. that, that I think gets ignored sometimes in sure. this game. Uh but certainly, you know, I think somebody's probably gotta say Trey Brown.
2: Eddie. Uh no, I'm I'm gonna go with somebody else. I'm gonna stay st- stick in the secondary. I'm gonna go with Buki Radley Hiles. Hmm. And I, I just feel like it's it's and I hate this. It's only the sixth game of his career. But it's a little bit of a feel of a now or never. Uh, and, and I don't mean now or never in that he's never going to be good, but need to do something back there. Make a play. I, I I feel like maybe the you know expectations were obviously a little too high uh, for him coming in. Now, with that said, he hasn't been bad by any means. I, I don't think you could say he's been terrible to the point of you want him off the field. But it feels like one of those games that, uh what's the cliche big time players make big time plays in big time games it's it's time to start making some big time plays and i I feel like uh what better stage than the cotton bowl and uh what better time than now
0: is that too much no i like it and there was a post on the board this week that he's just an average player no he's not like don't
2: (laughs) people are getting
0: crazy
1: Well, we knew that was going to happen. I mean, there was so much hype about him, unless he had like five interceptions. Oh, we were
2: all... I I, I think, and I was part of it. I, I think that he was hyped up a little too much. But at the same time, he is a really good football player. You can see that he's going to be a really good football player. But give me a couple pass breakups or something. I'm not asking for a pick six. I'm not asking for a a blitz and a in a sack at a on a thir- on a 3rd and 5. Yeah, what you have is the big him point in the game. I just want to see some life. What you have from him are a few plays here and there where he almost got
1: to the ball but didn't quite get there.
0: Yep. And a I lot agree. of missed tackles. Uh, I think that's fair. As for my guy, I want to go Trey Brown, but that one seems so obvious. I'm going to go a little bit more in my wheelhouse. I think we all know I love line play. That That's what I end up watching pretty much every time I do The Idiot. I was thinking about that the other day. Every time I kind of pick some topics I want to focus on, almost invariably the offensive line works its way into it. I, just, I can't help myself. I always end up there. The guy that I really – and I don't want to put all of the run game problems on him, but when I watch Oklahoma and I see plays where it's like, oh, this all looks good, oh, oh, there's one thing that went wrong and I have to go back and watch it, it's Drew Samia. He, he's having some problems. When they, when they run that counter, I can tell you of two different times against Baylor where it is set up perfectly in the way all four of the rest of the offensive linemen are doing their job. And then on one, Samia gets hit by Greg Roberts for the defensive end for Baylor and literally gets knocked to his knees when he's running full speed. It I, I wouldn't even think it was physically possible if I didn't see it. Um, the other one... He just doesn't get out on the corner quick enough on Oklahoma's first possession, the first run right after the fumbled punt. And if he does, T.J. Pledger walks in for a touchdown. And he didn't, and it just left the play exposed and nothing really happened from it. So if Oklahoma's going to get going in the ground game, and I think we all saw Creed Humphrey take a step forward against Baylor, I think it's Samia. For whatever reason, he's just never – really grown from that guy we saw as a freshman that showed so much promise he just kind of has been inconsistent you know indefinitely so if Oklahoma is going to get going and do it against a good front seven like Texas they need him to finally kind of get on board and have a good game
2: Josh I mean you obviously you watch the offensive line just as much as anybody are you where are you on the and we we hit on it a little bit at the beginning but I think we mainly talked about the running backs where are you on the uh, Oklahoma has an offensive line problem
0: I, I'm not big on it. I, I I don't think it's you know, I think people forget that this has really been the case for OU for several years. You know, you go back to sixteen when late. they lost to Houston. They were awful those first few games and they kinda gelled and came together. Last year it was far from perfect. They didn't run the ball at all against Ohio State. They did it strictly to keep Ohio State honest. There was no real threat there. But at the same time, This is a group that these problems really shouldn't exist. I mean, Creed Humphrey is playing well, and he's the one guy that you say, well, he didn't have any experience. We don't know what we're going to get out of him. So it needs to come together, but there's no question that unlike last year when teams said, well, we don't want Baker Mayfield to beat us, everybody is betting they can find a way to slow Kyler Murray down passing, but they don't want to give him any room to run.
1: it's the thing about kyler murray is you can be big and physical with him in his explosion and his speed he can i think he can kind of be a a little bit of a feather in your cap i mean it it's we haven't really seen anybody just overwhelm him blitzing or with a rush this season i mean he's been I'm, sacked i'm interested
2: to see how texas attacks this thing because you you obviously have to you have to make a decision. Which one are you going to take away? Are you going to take away his his legs, or are you going to try and take away his arm?
1: By the way, conversely, Texas's offensive line is not good. But and Calvin Anderson might be
0: the worst player on their line.
2: Herb Hand Rich. got his hand cu- his work cut out over there.
0: Yeah, because he's really good. He really is, but. Her, like I feel like Herman sets himself up for this every year. He said the same thing coming in last year. We feel like it's coming together well. We like where this is at. Blah blah blah. He was hyping that you know, like the offensive line was had cured its ills in the off season, and they look awful again.
1: Yeah, they scored. They scored 14 points really fast on K State, and one of the plays was a trick play. It was a halfback back pass, uh, and then they they threw a little fade into the end zone from like five yards out. And then they didn't do anything, really, the rest of that game. I mean, they scored on a safety, uh, and Kansas State just blanked them.
2: I might try and watch that game back today at some point, just for the fact I want to see what what was the difference between the first half and the second half. I mean, it was an ass-whooping in the first half for Texas, and then an ass-whooping, it seemed like, yeah, in the second half for Kansas
1: State. K-State just got more physical with him, wouldn't allow him to run the ball. They uh, they have a freshman running back that all the fans and media love, and they think they should play more. Uh, Keontae, uh, what's his last name, Josh? Um, Ingram, Ingram. Carthage, Texas. yeah, like the, everybody there is like flipping out mm-hmm. that they're not giving him enough carries, uh, cause they're playing an old, it's kind of like the, um, probably like the Chris Brown, DeMarco Murray days for Oklahoma. Uh, but I mean, that's something I think to keep an eye on is the Ingram kid, how many carries he gets, uh. And every time it seemed like he came in the game, the, hit, the, the offense kind of moved, but uh, for the most part, they just couldn't get anything going. So I mean, it's, there's some really interesting matchups all over, whether it's the receivers versus the DBs, OU's defensive line against their offense. But, you know, I mean, OU's defensive line, you can certainly say they're just okay in certain areas, but they're good enough to affect Texas mm-hmm. with their offensive line. I don't know that Kenneth Mann's going to be back. I, I just... The fact that Mike Stoops would not really address that yesterday, when he will generally tell you if somebody's, like, day-to-day yeah, I mean, the, day
2: and they're back to practice... Literally the week before, they told us that Mark Lester-Overton and uh, and Tyree Slott and Trey yeah. Brown were all three back. Right. But I do think that there's a little bit of gamesmanship going on this week. Maybe it's just because it's Texas. The Ben Power stuff was weird. I know that he seems like he's projected into the right direction I think he's to, to play, play on Saturday. Yeah. Uh,
1: I'd heard even on Sunday that he was going to be good to go this week.
2: That maybe it was more of a just, hey, let's hold you out, get through it with Alvarez. Well, I mean, thing. it's kind
1: of like with that Curtis Bolton thing. Like, they were trying to get through guys being beat up. Right. I'm surprised Kenneth Murray has held up as well as he has,
2: to be honest with you. Just so. throughout the week? Or from week to week? Just well, because I mean, he's had 50, 45 tackles over the last yeah, two weeks? Yeah, that's why.
1: Yeah. And we, we've we known that he was a guy that never practiced last year. Yeah. Found that out after the season.
2: Yeah. Well, it's, it's an interesting spot. I mean, OU, defensively, they've been out on the field for a lot of plays here over the last two weeks. And you would think that at some point it's going to catch up with them. Uh, can you get through this weekend and into the week? Into the bye week? Do you, um, Eddie, do you like with an 11 o'clock kick after it's all over with and you've done all your video do you go out and
1: have like a, a beer and a corn dog
2: oh at the, On the fair? way out yeah uh i haven't in the last couple years just because i've been trying to get out of there to go meet some people to actually go eat dinner yeah a real dinner uh-huh. uh but i don't know i might might try and get out there this year i looked at the Maybe list the everything looked like shit of I mean, the food there's only. There's, this I, year. I, I've to be honest, I've never really been a person that goes around and tries a whole bunch of different fried foods at the fair. I did that Even one year at the State Fair of Oklahoma. I don't do that, so yeah, I, I did that one year. I'll eat a corn dog and have a couple beers, though, for sure.
1: Because the my morning radio people wanted to do that, and it was the most average, crap food I've ever had. Like they make such a big deal out of. Oh, you gotta see what they came up this year at the fair. No, you really don't. And it's just It's crap I wouldn't pay for On the outside It's crap I'd never eat twice Like I was all excited One year they had like uh, The uh, Cuban sandwich egg roll Just an egg roll with some pork in it It sucked And I'm not I'm not doing fried Fried butter
2: Yeah I'm out on that Or fried Dr. Pepper Out on that too
1: not to mention they, they kind of, they. It's like they pull the wool over your eyes with the whole ticket thing, and all of a sudden you're paying nine dollars for fried butter,
2: and you don't even realize it. I think that's part of the that's part of their plan. I mean, how much is a damn beer? Uh, I think that there's a six ticket line that I know about,
3: it's but it's usually like eight location. or
1: ten or something. Yeah. Anyway Josh when's the last time you went to an OU Texas game
0: The last OU Texas game for me Was That would have been 07 actually That was the last time I went um, Took Tiffany she'd, ne- she'd been to one before And we were We were still you know early dating At that point in time so we went to that one I, <laughs> I- I we were in the Texas end zone, and we ended up. And I'm in like a green shirt. Like if you see that 7 game, you can see me in certain shots because I'm the only guy in the whole stadium that's not in red or orange.
1: Just didn't feel like you needed to do that. Oh, sorry.
0: No, I. I I, I don't I don't have anything OU like I, I don't have anything like that to wear. I know people think that that's like some myth. I, I don't have anything. Um, other I'll, I'll tell you what I do have. No matter how often I tell my family, don't give me OU stuff. I'm not going to wear it. I can't wear it even if I wanted to. Like not, it's just not part of my wardrobe. I have an aunt that is makes my dad look like a passive OU fan. She is really into it, and I will get like a. A black leather belt, it's got like OU, like metal, like it's like almost like superimposed onto the belt, like these little metal pieces that'll say OU, the little OU logos on them or OU tie or some crazy shit every year. I get stuff like that every year from my aunt and I love her. She's a she's one of the funnest people I know, but I'm like, I, I can't wear this. I'm never going to wear this. But every year I get something like that.
1: Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I just got followed, too, Eddie.
0: Um, are you talking about a former wide receiver? Yeah. Did,
2: did you just get followed? Yeah. Looking for yeah, a pencil?
0: About, about four minutes ago.
2: Yep. Weird. He's going on a, uh, a following spree. <laughs> Mel Kiper Jr. just uh, <laughs> he tweeted must. that Kyler Murray is one of the best dual-threat quarterbacks I've ever seen. Interesting.
0: Guys, I mean, I would love to argue with Kel Gundy's comment earlier this week and the Kerry, you may have that pulled up, you may be wanting to run that.
1: No, I don't, but
0: okay, but so you might I, explain I it. Yeah. Like, I don't think he's wrong. I, I think Murray plays in the NFL if that's what he wants to do. I I don't think anybody would take him seriously enough to make him their out and out number 1 quarterback. I think he, he they'd find a gimmick or a role for him because I I mean, it's just hard to believe that over the course of a season, when a guy his size is going to have to take some hits, that he's going to hold up under NFL, you know, athletes.
2: See better than Lamar Jackson?
0: Ooh, that's a good one. I I want to see more. I mean, let's not forget that he hasn't played anybody right that has a real defense.
1: I I just don't want us to get into this this thing of. Would he would he give up baseball and make a sh- take a shot at the NFL? Look, the American dream is no longer to play in the NFL. If you have a a chance to play Major League Baseball, you're going to make a lot more money. It's going to be guaranteed, and you're going to play a lot longer. Yeah, and you, you have a and brain. You're not gonna, at the end you're of you're not the- going to be drooling on yourself when you're 60 years old. There's no reason in hell for him to jeopardize his baseball career. To try and go play in the NFL.
0: Especially when you know what your baseball future is. In football, it's like, well, oh, I got some people telling me I could be a second-round pick. Well, that's just what they're telling you. You're going to have to miss a whole baseball season to prove it.
1: There's no way.
2: Yeah, Would I, he I don't entertain know, I, the I'm idea, idea of trying completely. to do both? Regardless though, he's not coming back to OU. Oh no, no, no. No, no, no. This is it this is it. I think though that he could somehow fit in a way though, that he goes and plays baseball during the spring and then, you know, once September rolls around or August or whatever, all of a sudden he's in a mini camp or in July with whoever. They say, Come on in. We just wanna we wanna tick you tickle you for a little bit <laughs> you know while we're on take season what'd you think of the take that uh oh has more to prove than texas josh
0: jesus god that's bad that's real ri- and you know i I you fans is that the anwar read take? This, mm-hmm. yeah read this from anwar from our orange or from our texas site and oh he's a texas homer Kerry, you know the deal like he's a Former NFL writer, like I think he's from Florida. Like I don't, he has no affiliation to Texas. This is not. Some yeah, homer he was thing.
1: a he was a big name hire for their site after Chip Brown.
0: Yeah, left. it's just a shitty take. It's got nothing to do with being a homer. It's just stupid. And you know, like I said, coming into this coming week, the Browns have played a better schedule as per record than the Patriots have. So clearly, the Patriots have more to prove than the Browns do because they've played a better record. You can't just ignore the last 10 years when Texas has been basically useless and Oklahoma's been a national powerhouse like you, you don't get to do that and especially it's not like Oklahoma reinvented their whole team or you know like when they went from 04 to 05 when everything had changed it's just a stupid take and I think Texas is improved I don't think there's any question but I think we're all seeing USC is not particularly good that win doesn't look like what it looked like when it happened and even then, you know, you kind of thought, well, maybe it's okay. But, I mean, Stanford just got housed by Notre Dame, and they, you know, they squeaked by USC, and, you know, Texas beats up on USC. Okay, cool. I mean, I, I guess. I, but TCU, again, a squeaker with Iowa State. I mean, so I don't know. Like, Texas is better. I think they're a top 25 team. They deserve all of that. But there's no question when you look at these two teams, who has more to prove and more to gain out of this game, and it's clearly Texas.
1: I think Ohio State might be a
2: little bit of a fraud.
0: Oh, did you guys see how they—the
2: <laughs> football team they, or the university? Well, and the I mean, the, the, staff? The, silence, the, Eddie. Silence. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the uh, yeah, the administration—they're just a bunch of soulless
0: bastards. All right, Lainey, you can have one of these sandwiches if you can say hi to the guys.
1: Hi. <laughs> she,
0: she's, she wanted a peanut butter and jelly, so I'm, I told her I bribed her. So. Lainey, nice.
2: come sit down. Let's talk about Building 7 for a little bit.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, no. All right, Eddie's been.
2: I think he just hung up on himself.
1: Or my internet went out, which is usually
2: what happens. No, we're, we're still rocking on the internet. Mm. Or at least I am.
0: You're absolutely still there. I hit it too okay. early. There we I, go. I muted myself because I don't want you guys to hear me have to mess with the rapper oh. to open up her uh, her sandwich. So, well,
1: that's good. I'm glad we got Lainey on a podcast.
0: Yeah, again. Yeah, you know her her second her second year. So her second attempt.
1: Uh, by the way, uh, let's talk about the big decommitment last night. Mr. Uh, Hazelwood.
0: Yeah, uh, for those that don't know, uh, five-star wide receiver, Jaden Hazelwood, decommitted from Georgia last night. He'd been committed to Georgia for, I believe, 18 months. I mean, this is a long-time pledge, um, and really – it was one of those things where I know people that have followed recruiting for 20 years think, well, it didn't mean anything, because he was. He took an official to OU for the spring game. He's going to Miami this weekend, and that been set up even before he decommitted. So, I mean, this guy was still going around and seeing places and, and doing all these things. So, I don't know that it meant a lot as far as it was going to impact the way he handled his recruiting, But I think it's an indication that I'm more open to other schools than maybe a lot of people had thought. Because every time I would talk to our guys at our UGA side who are very well connected, they know Jaden really well, or um, Chad Simmons, one of our Southeast guys that also knows Jaden very, very well, you would hear a lot of talk that, you know, this is all good, he's going to go to Georgia. He's good buddies with Justin Fields, and all that stuff's going to work out. I think there are two things to think about with this. Is one, Justin Field doesn't come in and take the, the job away from Jake Fromm, like a lot of people thought he might. And I think that has some role. I don't think it's a big deal, but I think it has a role.
1: They have been playing both of them, though.
0: Yes, yes. I know they've got kind of some packages for Fields, and you know they're trying to get him on the field. But there was—I mean, the guy was the number two player in the country last year. A lot of people thought he was just going to come in and take the job away from Fromm, uh, basically the way Trevor Lawrence did Kelly Bryant. Um, but the thing that I think is more kind of notable is that I had, and even, and Hazelwood mentioned a little bit when we talked to him in Atlanta, uh, Eddie and I at the five-star challenge, he kind of talked about wanting to see Georgia develop some elite wide receivers. And I know that's something he's heard from a lot of other schools and it's something Georgia's had to fight against. I know, you know, Chad Simmons has seen some of the communications he's had both with Georgia and other schools. And that clearly was a focal point of the conversation uh, from both sides. And I think the fact that Georgia really hasn't been able to develop that, even this year with a guy like Mecole Hardeman that's having a nice year. I mean, they've got good players, but you're not seeing that guy that is, okay, he's in the Blitnikov conversation. He's not getting taught. I mean, OU's got two guys that are getting more attention than Georgia's receivers. And I, I think that probably is a concern for him. He wants to be that number one guy. He wants to be A.J. Green. He doesn't want to be just another guy that's going to get 40 catches at Georgia. So I think that's playing a role. Like I said, he'll visit Miami this weekend. I don't know if he'll come back to Norman at any point. He's been several times. Um, you know, Again, for those that don't know, his dad grew up in Oklahoma and is an OU fan, so there's some connection there. There's some reason to think that works. And I know everyone immediately asks, well, you know, OU's got three great receivers already. Jaden Hazelwood's a guy you find room for. Like that, 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 they, They're, they're going to make that work if Jaden Hazelwood wants to be part of this class. And I don't think it happens. I mean, you know, I want to be clear with people. I still think he probably ends up at Georgia. I think Auburn's making a real run. But, uh, again, I, he's definitely still on the radar and a guy that OU would take if he wants to come.
2: Interesting. It's just interesting for the fact that after we talked to him, I remember you know leaving uh, the uh, what is it the Mercedes Benz Dome yes mm-hmm. uh, and thinking that there was just absolutely no way that I I kind of thought that that road was over. So that's yep. interesting that he even decommitted. Uh, Josh, just as far as the visitor list this weekend for OU Texas, uh, I know that you and Bob have been working uh, on it and building it, and it's a pretty impressive group. I think that there's you know. 2019 there's just so so little to be not little to talk about it in 2019 but there's so much decided uh, it seems like 2020 is really where uh, it kind of gets interesting
0: yeah there's no question i mean 2019 it's not even just that there's not many guys out there but you also have to compound that with the fact these aren't official visitors so it's got to be guys that can come on their own time on their own dime and make that trip so when you look at our 2019 list It's a bunch of OU commitments. I mean, actually, that's exclusively what it is. So now when you get into 2020, you start seeing guys like Vernon Broughton, Alec uh, Bryant, Prince Dorba. Uh, The possibility of Zach Evans, the number two player in the whole country in 2020, uh, is on our list. Um, Andrew Rame is going to make the trip down. I think Oklahoma is really starting to kind of get back in the driver's seat with him a little bit. Um, one of the guys that's really interesting is Princely Yuman Mulane, I think is how you say his name, from Manor, Texas. Uh OU offered him at the Houston satellite camp this summer and has really been doggedly on him since then. You know, that there is a, a very concerted effort between Lincoln Riley and Calvin Thibodeau and even to some degree Mike Stoops. Um so he is he came up last weekend, loved his visit was really pretty honest that he felt like OU was really kind of pushing him to get on board and go ahead and commit. And unlike when you hear that from a lot of kids, usually when a kid is willing to admit that, they say, oh, yeah, I didn't like it. It was a little too high pressure. He loved it. He thought it was great. I think he liked feeling the attention. And so he's going to come back up this weekend and go to OU Texas. And obviously the difference in environment from Baylor to Texas is going to be clearly clearly felt for him. So. I don't think he's gonna pull the trigger. For those that don't know, Manor is a suburb of Austin, so there's a lot of connection to UT. But at the same time, I think Oklahoma really got in early on him and has made him a priority where he likes where he's at. Now,
1: what is I I know that the NCAA's kind of made it, you know, that the neutral game site recruiting, you know, advantage kind of almost nothing but other than just kind of given being able to give guys tickets. Uh, but kind of what are the restrictions there now?
0: Well, you know, guys can't go on the field, so they can't be down there with the coaches and the players because the, the NCAA just doesn't want to risk any chance of off-campus communication. They, they, they're just going to split that and say, if you're up in the stands, you can't get into trouble. And so they used to be able
1: fine. to do that, right?
0: Yeah, so that that's – that it, unless – and, I, you know, I, it, it's one of those things I say it and I'm like, maybe they change that. But back- I don't know if you can hear Lainey in the background, but she's having that's quite a time. Yeah. Um, so you've got that going on. And then, obviously, like I said, players and coaches or recruits and coaches cannot communicate. Um, the players can't really, you know, there's just zero, there's a line of demarcation. Like they can see each other. I'm sure there's head nods or waves or whatever because, you know, that's just life. But there's there's no guy sitting around talking. You know, Princely's not going to come down to the field and talk to Lincoln Riley or talk to Calvin Thibodeau. Um, so that's where it gets a little bit limited. OU is just selling the experience, or Texas next year when they host. I mean, that's always the way this works. Just come look at this. You could play in this game. You could be a part of this and how cool this is. And that's one of those things where I talk about it's good for it's good for Texas or it's good for Oklahoma when Texas is good. Because this game means something. Game day is going to be there. There's this whole environment rather than everybody just walking in like, well, Oklahoma's going to kick Texas's head around for four quarters. I guess we'll go watch that. So it's not coincidence that this game is bigger, that Oklahoma's got their best visitor list in several years.
1: Do you think people make recruiting edits and like print them out and then take them up to them in person?
0: Probably. Kind of probably like that Geico
1: commercial about the lady hanging all her friends on her wall.
0: Yeah, lamer than the edits themselves are printing someone else's edits and (laughs) handing them to the kid. That's that's no. I mean, you make
1: your own edit.
0: Okay, but then you print it out. Yeah. Okay. At least if you do it, do your own. That way, you can give it to them
1: in person. You can you can friend them in person. You can follow them in person.
2: I stand with all edit makers. No, don't. I I think this is,
1: God, we blow me
2: to to comment
0: address. I'm kind of happy Eddie said It's below me The first time I missed the it's And I was like wow Well we've gone there So I I think it might be time to wrap up the podcast
2: Something's in my throat Sorry
1: (laughs) I knew that was a bad idea To bring it up I just
0: Oh You know if if we are going to end it Or at least I can chop Eddie off Before he gets us into any real danger Yes please do we also have last weekend's recruiting visits. Uh, the four official visitors. Oh, uh, there's some eyeballs out there too. Yes, we have. We have some Lincoln Riley eyeballs. Um, obviously, you know we've always been good about taking care of the kids. I don't want to give anything away, but I, you know, I'm we talked about guy. it last week's pod. Who I thought was the one guy that seemed pretty possible. That's the guy I would. I would pay attention to. I, I you know, I think things went very well with all three of the other guys. Um, Really, all four of the guys. Finley Felix, the big offensive lineman from Coffeyville, um, really liked his trip. I've talked to him a little bit. Um, It sounds like he is still kind of – when coming in, he was like, I'm going to take more trips. I want to do all that. Now that he's left, I don't know that that's a certainty anymore. So I I think we're going to have to play him by ear for about the next week, and we'll kind of see what goes on. Uh, Spoke to Jalen Catalan at length. Uh, the Rivals 250 safety from Mansfield, Texas. Um, really enjoyed his trip. His host was Robert Barnes. Um, those two, you know, kind of from similar areas there in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And really, you know, sounded like Barnes really gave him a good pitch, made it feel like, you know, home for him. And I think he really hit it off with the coaching staff who told him, you know, we feel like you can come in and be our nickel very early on. So it makes you wonder if Oklahoma still doesn't have some further plans with how they want to move guys around and make some changes. Um, The two that are harder to track are Kenny McIntosh, the running back from Fort Lauderdale, and Jordan Battle, the safety from St. Thomas Aquinas. Everybody I talked to made it sound like everything went really well with Jordan Battle, but no one has a read on him because he's just kind of a quiet kid. He doesn't tip his hand too much. The, the, The phrase that I heard that was really literally the best thing I heard was, Oklahoma got some good vibes from him. So, like, that that's all you have to go on right now. With McIntosh, I think Oklahoma thinks they did really well. I think they think that trip went really, really nicely for them. But the kid is from Fort Lauderdale. I mean, he literally grew up in the shadow of Miami. He got, he's got he got a ton of friends that are there at the U. I think even if it went really well, it's just hard to imagine a scenario where he doesn't end up playing for Mark Riggs.
1: All right. I think that's going to do it for this edition of the OU Texas uh, Choctaw Casinos Unofficial 40. It's a bye week next week, so it's a loss. You may not hear from any of us
2: for a while. Is everybody picking OU to win? I think you'd be dumb not to.
1: Not just because we run an OU website. I just They're an eight-point favorite. They've got a really good quarterback and a really good offense. We don't really know about the defense. I don't know what I don't care about your numbers, sir, on Twitter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: Still can't you, get off the field on third down. Doesn't matter a point possession and
0: your you and your legion of wacky numbers mathematical daddy, talk. Kerry. Why do you have to hate the numbers, Gary?
1: I'm just. Channeling Jared right now. (sighs) (laughs) Uh,
0: I I'm gonna do uh, for you know those out there that aren't members. I do a big breakdown for all the big games called Under the Hood, where we're gonna break down all of Texas's offensive plays, what they ran formationally, a lot of their top players. We'll do some interesting matchups that are gonna come in the game. Uh, I'm gonna actually look at the Texas TCU game because I think there's some similarities in the way TCU went at Texas, so you can get kind of a good look maybe at what they might do with Oklahoma. Um, But I haven't really gotten into that yet. But before going into that, I feel like Oklahoma's probably a, you know, 28, not 28, probably 31-24 kind of winner, something like that, maybe 31-20. I just don't think Texas can keep up offensively. But, again, maybe I'll see something different in Under the Hood.
1: You guys think it OSU probably beats Iowa State, but there's a good chance Iowa State could somehow win that game?
0: Mm. Eh. Yeah. What's the line
2: on that? People talk about not knowing what is going on with OU. I, I have no idea what's going on with OSU. I, I think I it's because you don't have any
1: idea what's going on with Taylor Cornelius.
2: Yeah, and I think the worst thing that could have happened to Oklahoma State happened and him play well in Lawrence. Uh, I agree. It's going to be interesting. I... Let's see. Look. Iowa State is, is good it. against the run. Oh, she's I'm favored by 10. Wow.
0: Boy, I think I'd take Iowa State. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my sick child. Can't you tell her sickness? <laughs> Just pouring out of her skin.
1: You're gonna get uh
0: true She please stop smiling. <laughs> 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 yeah, she she's playing up for the yeah. hmm. That girl's a mess. Anyway, sorry to interrupt the pod.
1: She turned sixteen. You're in trouble.
0: I'm screwed, and she's going to be my good one. My younger one's far more trouble. Are you guys
1: like me, and you're just kind of like, holy shit, West Virginia's pretty good.
2: Mm. I or are you just waiting for that defensive collapse late in the season? I'm just waiting for that defense collapse. I I thought that I thought that they would go whoop up on Tech, which they they sort of technically did, did I mean, they covered. Well, they collapsed the guy's lung along the way. Yeah, that's scary kind of weird uh we'll see i i think west virginia is good i think they're better than they have been i think they're a legitimate big 12 contender i don't know what that really means in the grand scheme of things though
1: i think will greer is really good their receivers are really good
0: but outside of that i don't know what they have yeah I, mean, I think the, the I, I like the, the running Houston back. Kid is really good on the offensive line. He's really, really good. He's a he might be a first rounder.
1: What's the uh, is it Mac McAvoy? Is that the running back of uh, McCoy? McCoy, Kennedy yeah.
0: McCoy. Yeah, he's, he's really good. He's really good as well. Yeah, and you know you mentioned it once, Kerry, and, and you're right. Very good all around. Like maybe not great at anything, but mm-hmm. he's pretty good at everything.
1: It's weird that Wendell Smallwood still plays for the Eagles. Like, and he plays a lot. Yeah. Good player. I mean, he was good. He's a good player. He's kind of like one of those guys. Like you don't. It's like Damian Williams making it in the in, in the NFL. It's like you could have taken or leaving him.
0: Leaving still him? to this day, Damian Williams, the star of my all time favorite moment in one of Eddie's uh, sights and sounds. Texas,
2: no, that Texas sights that, and that sounds, that Texas is man, that was an
0: incredible video.
2: Dig that up today. Yeah, we should That's maybe do
1: time. a from the vault. Former, uh, Start running some former sights and sounds from OU Texas. We can do that. Dig them up. All right, fellas. I've enjoyed it. Uh, by the way, I want to remind everybody the uh, Eskridge Lexus postgame podcast. Uh, I would just say Monday morning, be prepared for it. Uh, we'll be spread out all over the place, so we're not going to record till Sunday. We still don't have a time on that, so uh, it could end up being late night before we get that up on Sunday, but there will be be a Eskridge Lexus post-game podcast. It might even feature Josh McQuistion again if he could do it.
0: So. I don't want to commit to anything. i just going to hold out. It's probably smart on your part. Wet, wet some appetites, so let everybody get excited and then, you know, I might pull the rug away from you. I don't know.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everybody for joining us uh, for the Choctaw Casino's Unofficial 40. And uh, we'll see you guys right here, right back here next week after OU Texas heading into the bye week. Hopefully, everybody happy. We'll see you next time.